0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders around the world. We're back with another day and another cycle. And just to start off the show, I hope that anybody who listened to the bonus episode yesterday enjoyed that. I will be watching the numbers. Be sure to share it if you thought that it was helpful and you feel there's others who could benefit from that information because the volume numbers I see will dictate whether I continue that as a dedicated series. That's currently the plan. But I want to make sure that it's truly worth doing that. I want to make sure that people are truly seeing value in that kind of coverage because I wouldn't want to take away time from other coverage that needs to happen in the day. There's obviously only so many hours, and I don't do this on a full day cycle because you would get tired of hearing from me. So if you did enjoy the bonus episode yesterday, please do. Make sure that you share this information out to people. Let them know. They can find it on their favorite podcast holder. So they don't need to, they don't need to go to Substack if they don't want to. You can send them to CryptotalkRadio.net, which is our site. It's up to you how you distribute it, but make sure you get the word out because we want more people who are invested in crypto because that helps everybody. And especially if you are feeling like, yes, you want your crypto holdings that you may or may not have yet to be at a higher point and you want to see everything succeed. But more importantly, you want more content from me. I want to make sure that you are spreading the word out to help the podcast succeed and get more voices uh, listening in. So, with that, let's go ahead and get to our news for the day. At the top of it, I think the most important is tether froze about 160 million of its stable coin, which is USDT on Ethereum. And this is not new for them, so it's not new in the sense of them freezing it, but it is somewhat newish in terms of the amount of money that's that's been done. This is a pretty large freeze. What happens here, just so you know why this happens, usually the United States government, almost always the United States government, has reason to believe that certain amount of currency is being used illicitly. So we're talking money laundering, we're talking drug running, Something where it's not above the ground and because of this research, they'll do a raid and other countries have had it happen, but it's most commonly United States because the United States is usually the first to know about it. So it might be that they're in another country and in this case, there was a seizure from law enforcement and they were able to break break down doors and, and take all sorts of luxury cars as well as these crypto addresses were frozen. And of course, this is Ethereum-based USD Tether. So this is not new. They've been doing it for years, but the amount of it is rather large and has not been seen before. But it also lends credence to the idea that you do want to be careful in claiming funds and sources of funds that are sent to you and making sure that you're staying above ground because they will find you. It's not completely anonymous because blockchain is public. And there are ways to trace transactions because of... At some point, you're going to use the funds, right? So they can find you if they want to. That doesn't mean that you should freak out because as long as you're not doing anything that's below the waterline, you should be fine. But just make sure that you are careful with any source of any money that's being sent to you randomly, especially if you didn't expect it to come your way. In secondary news, El Salvador, who went all in, basically they said, you know, we're gonna use Bitcoin as our currency and accept it as a currency now going forward. And then of course, if you notice, Bitcoin has been trashing lately. It is somewhat trending back up, but it trashed from when they bought in. They bought in back when Bitcoin was kind of steeping at an all-time high. They're down about twelve million on it. So you gotta think about how this affects the the citizens of El Salvador. And of course, There would have been some redundancy built into it, so they probably took spare money and put it over to Bitcoin so it wasn't like a YOLO or anything. But, of course, they have to recoup some of those losses, especially if there's some sort of a crisis. But it also means that any other country that's looking to buy into cryptocurrency may consider something other than Bitcoin. People have said that, hey, they should have gone with something more stable like Cardano, because Cardano, although it's had losses... They were nowhere near the significant losses of a Bitcoin because Bitcoin is heavily volatile. And so going all in on Bitcoin may not have made sense compared to something like Cardano. Some said stablecoin. The problem with stablecoin is that it's still pegged to another fiat. And if you do that, you're basically just inheriting their inflation in some form and you're not really getting any value out of doing so. At that point, there's no reason to do the crypto. The reason they did this was they were trying to bank on positive move into Bitcoin, and if they keep holding, I think it'll still be in a good position long-term. So we'll have to see what that means. I don't think it's something to worry about yet. However, it is something that people should be aware of for making sure that this is not going to affect other countries that want to buy into cryptocurrency. SHIB did a burn, and it's $21.1 in the past 24 hours, and then they created a new tracker for how many burns are happening and this is largely in response to a lot of the freak out from the so-called SHIB army about the fact that the inventory's just too darn high and they keep asking for burn 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 and baby doge on the other hand just surpassed the amount of holders SHIB had many of the ship people sold out of their bags which was causing some of the dips and there are people that continually say This 21 million is nothing. Why aren't you burning like, you got to burn like trillions of this stuff because there's too much in there and they don't want to really do it. And so they're still kind of holding to this transactional burn situation and they've never responded about, look, you've got to burn more. You got to burn trillions and trillions of this stuff because there's too much in circulation and it doesn't seem like anybody up there is listening. So Baby Doge now is the current, let's say pet project that is, taking the forefront it's nowhere near as known as shib and you know i have a small bit of baby doge it's nowhere near whale it's from when i had a a larger stake and i sold most of it but i've watched baby doge and it it's it's the definition of a meme coin it's it's what shib would be if shib had a burn basically is what baby doge is i don't i'm not going to do any coverage today on baby doge because i have to do more research I did the buy, I did the sell, but I didn't do deep research into some of the fundamentals of it. It is on exchanges, so I think people are just looking for something that has something similar to the potential of SHIB but also has burns, so it has a stronger potential for profit. I believe that's what's happening there. So that one's interesting to watch uh, as the SHIB army kind of could totally combusts, and hopefully they'll start listening and do some more burns because I do agree that the inventory is just too darn large for them to recover the novelty's worn off, and I think they don't seem to understand. Uh, there was an altcoin that started to jump because it got listed on Coinbase very recently. Uh, it's called PolySwarm. The code is NCT. I, I have a small stake in this one as well, and I was watching its price movement, but it was listed on Coinbase Pro, but also on main Coinbase. Pretty much anything that gets listed on Coinbase does seem to benefit, at least in the initial phases, from a Coinbase listing, which is why SHIB was so, it jumped significantly when it got on Coinbase. Some of that jump was faulty, but then it settled into a groove and it was able to benefit strongly because Coinbase, by and large, for the United States, is one of the main go-tos as far as an exchange for any token that wants to launch and be successful long-term. So kudos to them and congratulations to them for what appears to be a very successful launch on the Coinbase exchange, and then, of course, going forward, we'll have to see what that momentum is. It does seem like it's a very popular project. It does not have hardly any sell pressure to it. There were some sells, but that's natural sells from, like, you know, whales taking profit when it initially launched. But generally speaking, it doesn't have strong sell pressure, meaning we don't see a significant amount of people that are wanting to rush and sell out of it. And instead, we saw pretty good buy pressure yesterday that is starting to taper off between yesterday and today but it started i want to say it started with two zeros yeah started with two zeros possibly three zeros three zeros and then it spiked all the way up to like 20 cents or somewhere short so a lot of people got rich off of it probably that believed in it and saw a strong potential in it but it's it's still spiking strong in its graph movement and it's been able to sustain at least momentum even through the sales that are happening and Usually, when something like this happens, Coinbase will then release one of the little learning deals where you can earn free of that token. We'll have to see if that does indeed happen. And then the last bit on news, which is more a follow on of what I did before about the feds uh, the feds are going to be doing a report about digital currencies. And when I say the feds, I'm referring to the United States Federal Reserve, which is not a government entity, by the way, it's a private organization, but it largely oversees currency minting and currency distribution. Everything that we know of the United States dollar ultimately goes to the federal reserve. They're going to be working on a report just around digital currencies in general, largely as a result of all the hearings that have been happening. They're not going to, they don't expect that this report is going to answer the questions that have been kind of lingering out there as far as what the regulation might look like and what's kind of the future of it. They don't expect to have those answers it seems like there's still going to be more focus on the so-called digital dollar, which would be a stable coin run by the federal reserve, which nobody really wants because all that means it's going to violate your privacy for anybody that gets into it. But they, they keep pressing on that because they think it's the only way right now to remain kind of in the, in the loop with respect to cryptocurrency movements and cash outs. So that's, coming but they don't know exactly when they're saying in the next couple weeks but they would send that for a while and of course I don't believe it's going to be good news in my personal opinion I I think it's going to be bad news or it'll basically say nothing it'll be a worthless document that's taxpayer money wasted for no real result it's going to be one of those two there's a person I keep calling an idiot because I think he's an idiot and I'll continue to call him an idiot and especially with the recent announcement from him And I haven't followed him because I think he's let what's happened go to his head. And he keeps talking about stuff. And I don't think, as smart as he was to be one of the inventors of Ethereum, I think he's kind of living off the hype, as it were. But this is Vitalik Buterin. Of course, he's one of the ones that was contributing to Ethereum in the initial phases. And he's been involved with Ethereum and ETH2O. He's now trying to get involved with things like cross chain and decentralization, and he recently put out a poll that was talking about the different levels and the different blockchains and cross-functional, and he doesn't, he doesn't, he's got his opinions about things that I don't think, I don't think are in concert with the way things are going. Basically, what we have today is a bunch of scattered networks, right? You got Tron, you got Solana, you got Binance, you got Ethereum, avalanche phantom polygon and they don't really talk to each other they don't interplay they don't interchange and it's a little bit difficult to dr- jump networks without exchanges centralized exchanges you have no choice in most cases and what they've done is they built one of these some of these one-off tools like any swap as an example that are trying to make it easier to jump between one chain and another but there's still a lot of hops that are involved to do this And this is referred to as cross-chain exchange. This is our current reality. He seems to think that the multi-chain is kind of the better way to go to where it's easier to jump across the networks than it currently is. The reason I'm not sold on what he's talking about is that when you try to blend chains together as you're doing, all you're doing is robbing Peter to pay Paul with respect to security and holdings and i don't think it's a long-term viable position nor do i think we should try to go that way i understand why he thinks it's the right answer i just think it's not going to work because we're too far down the road of the different blockchains so to me once you get into a world of cross-chain working like it's supposed to which is that the gas is simply taken from the crypto of choice and you're not having to hold source gas which is what i think he doesn't want He wants to keep the whole source gas because, of course, he gets rich off that. So I think getting away from source gas is step one. Nobody's been able to solve that problem. I don't know if they'll ever solve that problem. And until they solve that problem, I don't foresee much change now versus later. This is my personal opinion on the matter. And there was a token that released. This is news. I'm not covering the token, but there's a token that was released. And this token, it's called WTF, and of course, it probably means what you think, fees.wtf. And apparently, what I was told is that they did an airdrop, and you were going to get the tokens as an airdrop and an NFT. Then they were going to launch 100 million of these, and they were going to basically use this as an opportunity to affect the circulating supply and thus cause positive price movement. But it seems like a bot got in the way somehow of this airdrop and the bot was able to take a lot of the, the money, basically the, the value of this coin. So it was drained from the liquidity, which then did the opposite effect. It actually tanked the project when it went in. So they, uh, it seems like this was caused by not enough liquidity when they launched, number one. Number two... They had the bots that just were smart enough to get in and essentially front run it or sniper attack it, as they call it. And then there was a piece of a sandwich attack, which is a whole different type of attack. There's a lot to this. So they they did they basically game the system, these bots, to drain money out of the liquidity pool. And it seems like the the way that this airdrop was done wasn't really thought out very well to avoid bot transactions to be able to do it because of the way that, you know, what some, some will do is they'll launch the contract and they'll do it to where there's no liquidity at all. And then they'll do an IDO kind of like what D your token did that is run by a third party where they know how to avoid that kind of situation, but they purposely limit and constrain, you know, the number of people like whitelisting and they'll do other techniques in order to help avoid that kind of stuff then there's others they'll just launch it and it's kind of in a stale state and then they'll but in those they have the risk of a bot coming in and taking the liquidity which is seems like the latter happened there's a lot of fear on social media about it the graph lost a lot of value uh in a very short period of time and some people claim that they the app did not have a lot of development know-how behind it that's what it seems like (laughs) um People jumped in, and they didn't do due diligence, so they didn't take the time to really research what was going on. However, the team behind this project, they were made rich. I, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I was told. And some people were able to cash out and make a profit and then kind of move on. So that one's kind of a whole big situation. At some point, I will talk about things that I just summarized in this one, you know, the ideas of snipering attacks and, sandwich attacks and front running and all this because i think they're important i'll probably put those on the cryptonomics 101 but we're a long ways away from that just suffice it to say be careful i said it before on an earlier episode be careful in any airdrop because unless you knew it was coming and in this case it seemed like they didn't know like this was going to go to random people in order to increase the value of the token it seems like that's what was going to happen and then others that were, that did know about the project were also included, but then because other people were scented, somebody got smart and just drained it. Just be careful with this whole airdrop situation. You just don't know. And most of them don't turn out very well. If it's a plan thing, like a migration or something, that might be a different situation. So I'm not telling you not to distrust, not to trust any of them. I'm just saying, be careful. Anytime the word airdrop comes into play, just be careful about how that works. And let's go ahead and get into our underdog token. I want to give them a little bit of time uh, today because I think it's important. And then I'm going to wrap up with a couple of follow-up episodes, uh, episode updates. The reason I'm going to do it in that order is because this underdog token, you know, I've watched it. I've seen it on social media. It's gotten a lot of chatter. It's one of those where I struggled to understand why anybody would buy into it other than novelty of SHIB But I want to make sure I give them a fair shot because it's only appropriate that I'm not being unfair to them. I do have some notes that I took from the research that I did, and I hope they're listening because I think there's a lot of opportunity for them to improve, and perhaps they're working on it. This one's called Clifford Enu, cliffordenu.io. Clifford Inu, of course, Inu, and if you didn't know, Inu means is basically a doge. That's why it's all Inu. Everything's an Inu. It's a dog-based something. Clifford Inu is on the Ethereum blockchain. Clifford Inu has a lot of interest in the social media space. It's one of those organic growth-type tokens that has a lot of eyes on it. And as I watched this one over time, again, I struggled with other-than-novelty I struggle with what it is that should appeal to anybody about this token. It's got what appears to be $1 trillion in total supply. It's got a pretty decent volume. It's got a pretty solid, fully diluted market cap, which means that we're getting close to maximum profit potential. But when I looked at the website, CliffordInu.io, Inu. Clifford yeah. well, I looked at the website. It's deflationary, great, but it doesn't, From what I can tell, it didn't catch me as to what what is the pitch behind this thing? Like, why? So when you look at the site use case as an example, they're just talking about growth. They're talking about marketing funds. They're talking about investment portfolios. This is intriguing a little bit. They're talking about NFTs. They're talking about staking. They're talking about altcoins, yield. So in summary what they appear to be wanting to do is to be taking what is invested in the coin cliff and using it to invest in other projects that they believe are going to be of increasing positive value that's what it seems like the use case is things like the nfts same thing if you would identify nfts that have positive price movement that might be of value stable coin staking is usually for apy farming and yield farming so Big and medium cap altcoins would be for short-term growth, potentially. So I understand what they're describing. My question that I had walking away was, I don't understand why, how is that any different from doing it yourself? Obviously, they, they as a service are doing it for you. That's great. But Farmer Doge does it, and it's a little bit more transparent in how it does it than what I see in Cliff, so, yes, I understand it, but it was it's, so, it's, it's not transparent enough about how they're doing, what they're doing, what decisions they're making. I guess it's the best way to boil it down. So I went a little further because I wanted to really dig a little bit deeper. There are taxes on buys and sells. They do more taxes on sells at what appears to be 20%, and then tax on buys at 10%. However, they have a disclaimer that says that they can increase the taxes according to market conditions, whatever that means. They want the taxes to go down as the market cap goes up, but we're already at a 50-some odd million market cap, and I still see the 10 and the 20. So, something's not quite jiving there, because based on the inventory of one trillion, and a 53 million market cap, and a volume numbers that have not exceeded a million as of right now. That means I don't see the tax significantly moving one way or the other in a long time. So when I looked at the tax breakout on the buy side, it's 10%. 8% goes back to the liquidity, sure, and then 2% goes to marketing, sure. On the sell, it's 15% liquidity and 5% to marketing. Okay, I was looking for reflections. I didn't see any. It's at least not described in the tax system. So that leads me to question, how it's a, how is it deflationary? And I didn't get that answer in the basic tokenomics of the page. They say that there's automatic burns, and the first automatic burn already happened. They say there's marketing. They say there's another burn time that's manually dictated by the holders, but they don't have a DAO, so I'm questioning how they're able to administer that. Then they were able to get over 10,000 holders, which is a good benchmark to make it's not certic audited as of this point that i can see which i think it should be and they're working on things like staking and then doing on central exchanges they're already on bitmart and of course if you are paying attention to bitmart bitmart is the one that got hacked and a whole bunch of money stolen i don't know why bitmart was the first chosen given what happened with them That seems like a very risky move over any of the other exchanges out there that would have gladly listed somebody with this market cap and holder count. But there may be something I'm not seeing on the site that would have described that to me. So then I go a little bit further and that's it. It literally doesn't tell you much on the site as to more details about what it is that you're doing and how, why, what is the meat. So now I'm crossing my fingers hoping that the what they call the red paper, which is the white paper, tells me what I need to know because, as I've always said, it's what's supposed to give you the the meat and bones of the matter. I look at the paper, and it's basically a slide deck, PowerPoint slide deck, which is fine. However, I expect it to give more details beyond what it's talking about. The red paper refers to a burn. It says true burn, where it burns circulating supply. However, the inventory I see on CoinMarketCap does not appear to reflect a burn. I don't know if that's because they haven't updated it or if a burn hasn't happened yet. I'm not sure. But it says that it'll keep acquiring tokens that push the price of each token up by a certain percentage. That's worded very strange. I'm assuming it's a buyback mechanism, not a burn mechanism. There's a difference. So if you have a buyback mechanism, then I'm assuming that's happening off the tax, but the tax does not indicate this is true. So I'm questioning where it's burning from. Where are you getting it from? If you're just randomly getting it from the circulating supply, so basically if somebody sells, you're taking a piece of it, I think that should be detailed somewhere on the site because if it's not coming from the taxes, that means it's a variable amount, and that means you can't plan on when the price is going to move the way you want it to move. There's a graph, and it describes this idea that you, there's a transaction, buy or sell transaction. It takes the taxes it sends to the liquidity pool. It does a burn of liquidity pool and expects that the price is to grow. This is very similar in what green chart does. But as I watch the price movement of Clifford, I don't see the same persistent growth that I would have seen from green chart for the same reasons. In fact, it's graph is actually trending downward. So if, if it's true that the mechanic is doing what they describe. I would expect to see that this guy should be growing at a somewhat comparable rate as green chart. And that's not the case. So something's not quite working as described in their red paper. And I suspect this is only theory. I suspect that it's because if they're doing the burn off the liquidity pool, the liquidity pool can only provide substantive growth off the burn, assuming a certain level of volume or greater. And if the volume decreases, The burn will decrease commensurate with it, whereas green chart burns off the tax, as I understand it. So if they burn off the tax, it doesn't matter of how much volume there is. It matters that every single, I believe it's sell, transaction is going to trigger a burn of some kind, which means there's more active burns happening, even if there's like a, let's say you have no transactions except one for one day, but it's $5,000 and you took, in this case, 20% of it, right? So you take a thousand of that one and you burn it. That's going to be a lot more sustained growth off the burn than if you have a situation where you're dependent on increasingly declining volume, if that makes sense. That's my theory. I'm not in that room. It says there's automatic burns at a time frame. I doesn't explain how that's happening. There's anti-whale, max wallets are restricted to 0.1% of supply on launch and a 5% increase in fees. 0.1% of supply on launch seems to indicate that they don't have anti-whale post-launch. If that's true, it would explain why we're seeing the decreases because there would be no incentive then for people not to sell out because there's no longer this. Now, it's also possible the red paper is wrong and the 0.1 of the supply still is there. I didn't go too deep into the different wallet supplies because of time constraints, but that would concern me at least a little bit. It refers to a stable liquidity pool because of taxes and adding to it, but again, that's all predicated off of volume. Additionally, if your liquidity is based on a volatile asset, so in this case, let's say BNB, you're not or cake, right? You're not going to be able to maintain that stability. You'd have to force it to be stuck to a stable coin in order to make that work, but nobody does that. So that one's a bit curious. Marketing incentives, security, manual burns when the liquidity is oversaturated. So I'm concerned about any manual burn because this is something that harms Dozilla right now, is perception of the investors of when you're gonna do burns, how much does that burn? Are you burning tokens? Are you burning liquidity? What does that mean? This red paper does not state exactly what that's what that's doing. It just says unpeg a percentage of supply, making every token more valuable, but doesn't know we don't know what that means. And the graph does not reflect that if that's happening, that it's been successful. So then security, liquidity was burned so it could ever be pulled. New liquidity goes straight to a dead address, I don't know what how that's possible, but okay, hard-coded contract features to prevent abuse or rug pulls, tax increase to max 25%, makes it impossible to block sellers, correct? And then they say there's a CERDIC audit in the red paper. However, I don't see a CERDIC audit as far as coin market cap. So usually what that means is that they're not keeping current coin market cap up to date as they really should be which means I have to go and manually see if CoinMarketCap is willing to admit that there's a completed audit on file. And according to CoinMarket, or excuse me, according to Certic, there appears to be one, and there are quite a a few issues that were reported off of it. I can't tell necessarily the highs and the lows and the mediums of a thing, but it did seem to pass a Certic audit at some point, But it's still in the onboarding phase, which means that the audit results, the full audit results are not yet uh, provided. But based on what Skynet says, which is kind of their analysis engine, they did have quite a few issues and quite a few more than I would have expected. So I don't know that it's fair and truthful to say that, yes, there's an audit done and available because onboarding means that they haven't finished the PDF, the actual audit results yet. So the red paper may be kind of fluffing that a little bit. Now, is it true that they completed an audit? Likely, because if they're in onboarding phase and they have at least some initial score factors, that usually means they're done with what they were supposed to do. But until you got the results and until we see how you responded to the results, it's kind of moot is what I'm saying. And percentage of taxes to acquire investments for the Dow. So they're talking about a Dow to do in the future. So they would presumably request from the investor group to say, hey, what do you want us to invest in? And then they would use the wealth to strengthen the system, presumably by way of increased liquidity. Now, of course, if they're going to use a Dow, which means that the investors are the ones that choose those, I think that's great. That's not what the website says. I'm just saying. Uh, their charitable causes and philanthropy is good. Of course, as we talked about with the no shit token, It's practice what you preach. If you're going to say you're going to do it, you want to see documented evidence that that's what they did. Hopefully that becomes a thing. Uh, There's going to be a staking mechanic. 10% of all pool will be added to the pool week automatically. And then 3% will be added at the start. So they're going to basically jumpstart it with some initial supply and inventory and then provide incentives for people to stake their tokens. That's all good. As far as a white paper goes, I'm, let's say, moderately impressed. They've done a better job than other white papers that I've seen. It's, it's not terrible at all, but I think it's still lacking a couple of pieces that should be firmed up. So if any of them are listening, let me go through this. Number one, I don't think that the white paper does a good job of explaining to an investor why this token exists. So when I say why, I mean the actual motivating factors behind why this was created. You told us what you plan to do. That's different from the why. The why is a message. For example, if I go to the cowboy token, it's a family to a guy and a son, and they, want, they got scammed and they wanted to do a token to help people out. If I go to Trees, which is called Safe Trees, but it's Trees' it's a call sign, they said they want to help reforest. If I go to DR token, they said they want to help educate people. If I go to rug seekers, they want to help prevent people from getting scammed. Like, what is your why? That's missing in the document. It's missing in the site. It tells you what you're doing. It doesn't tell you your motivations or why. Second, I don't see any KYC information at all about the people, the developers, nothing that tells me the who. And I think it's important in order to gain investor trust that there's a who behind it because, as we see with multiple tokens, you could have something that has very solid mechanics, and this one looks like it does, but then because of whatever, it ends up getting rug pulled down the road. That's not accusing you of it. I'm saying that you need to really have the who, and I don't see that happening. If you fix those two things primarily, and then the third would be the explanation behind why the burn mechanic is what it is like, what was the logic behind this choice for the burn mechanic? And how it correlates to the graph. Because to me, with everything else, outside of the three I just mentioned, if you were to take Green Chart's burn mechanic and their logic, and you applied it to Clifford, you'd have a very strong project. You'd have a very powerful project. And I would love to see the two of them pair up. And you can market this, right? One's green, one's red. Red wants to help avoid red candles. Green wants to help ensure green candles. You could sell that. And people would buy into it course this takes that you guys are talking to each other but that's what I'm saying that there are pieces that each side could benefit from the other and Clifford could certainly benefit from some some of those mechanics from what I can tell it's just lacking that one little piece as far as what I see now if the website's not complete the website's not complete and then of course they have a merchandise section and the merchandise section is a generic merchandise store where they basically pitch a whole bunch of stuff that nobody would ever buy. So if you, maybe there's like super fans that would want to buy into it. But of what I see, I can't imagine anybody wanting to wear any of this stuff anywhere in public. That's not a ding against them. I'm just saying that why would anybody want to wear any of this stuff? Hardly at all. I would rather see that you sell something like, I don't know, uh, actual dogs or something. I, I don't know. Something that has some real use or utility. Because none of the rest of the stuff here do I see is anything that anybody would want to wear in public. And maybe I'm just old beyond my years. So that's Clifford Enu. Again, Clifford if you want to take a look at it. I don't want to I'm not trashing them. I think they have some certain things that just I there's some stuff that's not quite there yet. I'd love to see kind of short up and fleshed out and some clarifications done. Cause it does seem like a popular token to certain people. On the Ethereum chain, if you want to take a look at that one, I'm gonna go from there. Then circle back on other things that I've covered, and then we'll wrap up. So Satama has been taking an absolute dump, and I can only describe it as a dump because I'm not really, I mean, I do know why because many people have talked about it, but it's worse than what I thought. Um, It breached its lower bottom resistance, which it didn't for a long time, and it's starting to trend, still trending downward. Um, I sold the majority of my Satama, not all of it. I still have some for profit so I could buy into other projects as I do the reviews and I'll just kind of wait it out to see if this kind of recovers. But Satama is on the way down and I'm not sure what the path of it is because volume is up. It's not like people aren't buying and selling. It just seems like that there's more people selling at lower price than greater. I can't tell you where the bottom is, but I'm disappointed because we should have had two zeros down in January by my estimate. And instead we're heading the opposite direction. I don't know what part Cytomas plays into it. From what I can tell, it's still just as buggy as it was. So I'm still not recommending that you use it. They are doing AMAs. I think it's daily now to try to get ahead of it. But I think there's just a loss of investor sentiment out there and people are really distrustful of them. Very similar to SHIB. Once you lose the investors, you just it just seems hard to recover from it. But that's all I got for you today. I will circle back with you tomorrow. I don't have any afternoon updates. And again, any feedback, we definitely appreciate it. Cryptotalkradio.net is where you can find all our podcasts. Please be sure to share with your friends and family.